Welcome to Servium, Latin for I Will Serve, a new podcast series from the Diocese of Rapid City, exploring the vocation to the permanent diaconate. Join me as I visit with some of the deacons who are fulfilling the mission of Christ as servants, sharing their gifts in Western South Dakota. I'm your host, Karen Gibis, and I'm honored to introduce today's guest. Taking center stage today is Deacon Rob Rabby. Welcome, Deacon Rob. Thank you. Good to be with you. I am very excited about today's interview because I'm going to learn the difference between a baby deacon and a toddler deacon. But before we get into that, let's can you introduce yourself? Let's talk about who you are, what you do for a living, and which parish you're assigned to. Yeah, um, Deacon Rob Rabby. I'm assigned to Blessed Sacrament Parish in Rapid City. I've uh, been in the Black Hills now for 20 years, actually. Uh, I retired from the Air Force on purpose to stay here in the Black Hills because I fell in love with the Black Hills. Um, been married to my wife, coming up on 38 years. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, I have two kids, two daughters, one here in uh, Rapid City and one in Pier, and five grandkids, uh, four girls and one boy. So, and we've uh, just really enjoy South Dakota and uh, really decided that that's where we wanted to live the rest of our life here in South Dakota. And where did you come from before? I was originally from Kansas, joined the military uh, right out of college. I was an engineer for like six years in the, in the military, a mechanical engineer. Then I went to pilot training, flew B1s most of my career, and that's how I ended up in South Dakota. I got two assignments here at Ellsworth. Air Force Base, and um, really enjoyed it here and decided to come back and stay. So your journey to the diaconate, was this a a long journey, a quick journey? Was this something that was prompted to you in prayer? What what does that look like? It was a really long journey for me. I I actually didn't, I I mean, I've been a, uh, I was a cradle Catholic. I'd been a Catholic, you know, my whole life. But I would say that I wasn't, uh, you know, really focused on my faith life uh, that much. Uh, played college football, so I kind of got in that kind of scene. And then and then when I joined the military, I was focused on my military career for that 22 years, or, or at least 20 of it mm-hmm. uh, or so. So just a lot of the worldly things, raising kids and sports and all the rest of the kind of things that trappings that go with that. Uh, so I really wasn't focused on that until late in my military career. And um, I had a dream one night where uh, Monsignor Wooster was actually saying Mass. And this, we had moved away. We were in Florida at the time. And uh, he filled the chalice completely full. And uh, after consecration, he came over and he, I was sitting on the front row and he poured it on me. And it scared me to death. And I woke up, I woke up and I was breathing hard. I couldn't, and I told my wife about it in the morning. And she said, do you think God wants you to become a deacon? And we had never even talked about anything related to being a deacon. And she just, out of the blue, she came up with that. So then I started thinking about it. That, That got me starting to thinking, well, gee, you know, that's a kind of a big it's an undertaking. Yeah, that's an undertaking. And, and so I spent about the next 10 years probably just, you know, trying to discern it. And, and I really had, the, I think a lot of deacons feel that, or a lot of men feel that they're inadequate 
for mm-hmm. it. And, and God doesn't really call people who are adequate to be, nobody's adequate, right? It took a while to sort of overcome those, those senses of, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not that type of person. And I've never been that good of a Catholic. And, you know, why is God calling me to this? And, uh, and, and gradually over time, you learn that God's calling you that because there are other men out there that need to be, that need your ministry. And there's men and women out there that need your ministry. And if you were a saint, if you were a saint to begin with, then yeah, maybe you don't need to be a deacon, but deacons aren't saints. So, so it's just, it takes a while to discern that and, and to sort of overcome those kind of sense that that maybe I'm not good enough. And in this 10 years that you were discerning this on this journey to the diaconate, what was your wife's reaction? Was she also discerning? Was she encouraging you? She was encouraging, uh, but she was nervous about it. She did, she knew that it was a big time commitment. And, uh, you know, we had, at the time, you know, our kids were still junior high, high school age. So she knew that it would be a big commitment uh, both on her part and my part, and, and it has been. But she was always supportive. She's she's always been the type of person that that's what God wants us to do, and let's let's go do it. When was the moment that you decided now is the time to commit? Now is the time to say I will serve. That's another interesting story because I had gone through the lay ministry program, and the lay ministry program really changed the way that I thought about the church. I was always kind of thought of the church as a set of rules. The lay ministry program changed that to where I was really thinking about my own spirituality and my and I began to do silent prayer and I began to build a relationship with Jesus Christ, which I hadn't really had before. And and so that kind of started the ball rolling. And in that there was a period where that program was kind of shut down where they were thinking about redoing how the formation was going to go. So I was still trying to discern then. And I don't know if you remember Sister Marie Schwann. She was here. She's Benedictine sister. She was Natalie's uh, spiritual director. Okay. And uh, Natalie had talked to her during spiritual direction about this. And she said, don't worry. When it's time, you'll know when it's time. And uh, so I, after a period of time, what happened was uh, Sister Marie came down with cancer and she passed away. And about, I don't know, it was about a year later, I was going to Mass and Father Ed was saying Mass. I was at the cathedral. Uh, Father Ed was saying Mass and uh, I was totally distracted because I, I run a business <laughs> called VRC Metal. It's a, it's a metalworking business. And, okay. and so, so all these, I, I was racing through my day. You're, thinking you're loud about, in your head. Uh, well, yeah, thinking about all this mm-hmm. stuff I got to do today and all this, right. thing, you know. And I, I just was totally was not, I was at Mass, but I wasn't at Mass, right? Okay. All of a sudden, the the whole chapel just went silent. And I just heard this little tiny voice saying, it is time. That's when I knew in the, just this sense of peace came over me mm-hmm. where where I was just, I'd been agonizing over this decision and 
this just this sense of peace came over to me. Yeah, no, this is the right thing to do, and this is what I'm doing. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I became peaceful with the whole thing. And Sister and, was right. And sister was exactly right. She knew when it was time. So now you've decided it's time. It's time to commit to the formation and all that goes along with that. What did that look like? Well, it was a, a kind of a combination of some academic formation. So we went through VSI and we had classes after VSI, as well as spiritual formation. It's really uh, building that relationship with the Lord and being able to trust in the Lord. And gaining that trust is an important component of it because, you know, you can't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and just gaining that trust and, and that uh, was a big part, I think, of the formation. And then you kind of got in a groove and, and we got our group of candidates that were that were in the program we got to know each other and helped each other out and those kind of things and it it got easier as you as you kind of got into it and and got more comfortable i remember the first time that i was sitting in the pew in the cathedral at a at i think it was a chrism mass and all the priests and deacons were up there and i remember thinking to myself you don't belong in that group you don't belong in that group. And I, I just kept kind of thinking about that. And then after getting with my, my other deacon candidates and going through formation for a while, finally you got to, at some point I said, yeah, I, I guess I do belong in that group. You know, I just kind of changed who I was. It's a, it's a long process, but it's God just kind of moves you a little bit at a time, I think. When you say you were gathered together with the other candidates, those that were to be ordained at the same time you were, does that build a, a brotherhood amongst the deacons, amongst you, just your class, or among all of the deacons of the diocese? Really all of them, because they bring other deacons in, you know, more experienced deacons in to talk with you about what it's like and things like that. So you do kind of build a you build a camaraderie, a brotherhood, and, and you come to the sense that you belong to this this group of people. And that has to be reassuring as you step off into the ministry that you are assigned to do at the parish that you are assigned to, knowing that if you have questions, you do have someone you can turn to, advisors and right. others who have been in those steps before. Absolutely. It gives you a lot of confidence that, you know, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And other people have gone through it, and they can help you out if you need help. But uh, you don't feel as um, kind of put on the spot because you're just, you're part of the group. You're part of the group. Okay, so now you're ordained a deacon. You're a baby deacon. Mm. (laughs) What does that feel like? It's actually kind of awkward at first. Just like Uh, a baby. Yeah, just like a baby. You feel a little bit awkward because you're not used to being in the sanctuary. And you're so focused on every little movement and everything you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it and what you're supposed to say and when you're going to turn the mic on and everybody's watching crazy, crazy things happen. Like (laughs) your mic falls off, you know, (laughs) mic falls off your belt or something stupid always happens, you know, And, and so you feel awkward for a while and then and then. Over time, you know, you kind of overcome all those little gotchas, and and now I don't worry about it when I make make a mistake because, 
the the ladies at daily mass will tease me about it but other than that it's not going to hurt me <laughs> they're there to keep you humble exactly exactly that's that's their job they're just doing what the lord has put them there to do exactly all right so at the beginning i said that i'm interested in when a baby deacon becomes a toddler deacon mm-hmm. when is that i i think it's about the two year point now i say that because i'm at, at about the two and a half year point now but I, but I think we do, after about a couple of years, you've done, you know, you've done a wedding or two. You've done a lot of funerals. You've done a lot of baptisms. You've uh, made quite a bit of the mistakes yeah, already. you've kind of made all the mistakes you're going to make, or maybe not all of them, but, you know, you've, you've gotten to where you can kind of work without thinking about it so much. And how does that feel now that you've moved on and from that less awkward stage into more of a a beautiful blossoming stage of the diaconate. It's 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 important because it's it makes you more comfortable which helps you be more in touch with the spirit. I mean, so oftentimes after mass you'll have people come up to you with just things they want to talk about. You know, they maybe a personal problem or some something else that they want to talk about. And uh, if you're just comfortable with who you are and, and, you know, with all that other stuff, you're not worried about it, then then uh, then it, it, uh, it opens you up to the spirit and you're able to converse with people on 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 that level. God has been working in your life, obviously, in that 10 years as you were discerning and preparing for your formation. But even now, moving you from one stage to the next stage and your confidence level is boosting. How has that walk with him been to just cherish those moments and be alongside him in this holy orders journey it's 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 really amazing because you the the spirit works in different ways for different people so so you know you might think you gave a homily that that was kind of a bomb <laughs> but then someone will come up to you after mass and say that that, that really hit them in the heart or something you just never know how the spirit is going to work. The spirit works in its own in, in its own way on people, and so uh, so it's kind of amazing that even though you think you're making a lot of mistakes and you're doing dumb things, uh, that the spirit's still working, and the spirit's working in their lives as well as your life. When you show up and you give him the freedom to work through you, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, just give that... him the freedom to work through you and. You just you just do the best you can, and, right. and good things will happen. Right. So what has been the most surprising part about being a deacon? Oh, it, it's probably the, that sense that people get of uh, the reaction that they get to things you'll say or do, particularly like with a homily or something, you'll give a homily. You might have a certain message you're thinking, you know, and... And, and how people react to that. And, and they, you know, the spirit moves them and they will come up to you and want to talk about that and, and that kind of thing. And it's kind of surprising how, how much people listen, you know, maybe, maybe because I didn't listen for all those years, but, but, but. So it's surprising that there are Catholics in the pews listening when you were the Catholic. They're they're actually paying attention and they're actually moved by uh, the scriptures and things that you said and something that hit them in the heart. How about the most rewarding part of being a deacon? Uh, I, I, 
I think it's the sacraments, actually, uh, you know, particularly baptisms. It's so rewarding to see young families coming into the church. The other one is marriage prep. I, my wife and I do a lot of marriage prep. Really rewarding to see young families with young kids coming into the church and, and getting involved in their faith and, and that kind of thing. Because it's, it, you know, sometimes we think, you know, our church is shrinking or something. But, but the reality is there's people out there with, with faith and, and a lot of young families, and that gives you a lot of hope. What advice would you give to someone considering the diaconate? Be open. So don't, don't think that just because you got a lot of baggage, because trust me, I have more baggage than anybody else. Just because you have a lot of baggage doesn't mean that God is not calling you to the diaconate. Uh, in fact, he may be calling you because you have that baggage, because you've been in the pit and you know what it's like in the pit and you know how to get somebody else out of the pit. Uh, so don't think that just because you're not, you don't feel like you're some spiritual guru or something that, that you can't be a deacon. A deacon is really a, almost like a liaison between the clergy. I mean, he's clergy, but he's in the world, right? And his job is to be that presence in the, in the world. And just because you've had some basic, bad experiences in your life and you've done some things you're not proud of, doesn't mean that God is not calling you to the diaconate. And you shouldn't let that uh, hinder you from uh, from listening to that call and opening your heart. And the truth is, it's going to change who you are. It'll change who you are. You're not going to be the same person after that. And you got to be willing to make that change. But on the other hand, it'll open up a whole new, a whole new life for you. So you just got to be open to it. Just open your heart and be open to that call. And don't discount it just because you think you're not good enough. That's beautiful words of wisdom. So some deacons are retired already from their professional careers, while other deacons are working full-time. You, as a deacon, are working full-time. How does that impact your service to the church? Well, it it does, in in a lot of ways, it limits your time that you have available. So particularly like for things like funerals that are last minute, two or three days notice, uh, oftentimes you, you just aren't able to change your schedule that quickly. Uh, luckily at Blessed Sacrament, we have a couple of retired deacons, so they do a lot of the funerals. But um, you got to schedule your time, particularly for, you know, weekends, if you're working on the weekend and that kind of thing. I found that I actually kind of incorporate a lot of my spirituality and stuff into my work. So, you know, a lot of a lot of being a, a boss at a, at a at a job is is a lot of counseling, a lot of personnel problems, and if you come at it from a from a spiritual perspective, sometimes people respond to that. Discerning the diaconate, you shouldn't hesitate in that just because you're working full time. No, I, I don't think so. I think you can you can spend as much or as little time as you want uh, on your diaconate, but you can separate they you know your work comes first so you've got to you got to do your job uh, and then 
when you've got time available, if you have time to do a wake in the evening or, or on the weekend or, or whatever, then, then you can jump in and do that. So it's, it's not that hard to schedule around, but it's worth it. It's, it's worth every minute of it. Thank you for your service to the church and for just saying yes to God's call. Thank you for taking time out of your day today to be with us and to share your story. Oh, you bet. It's my pleasure, and I'm happy to talk anytime. Thank you. Thank you. This is Deacon Greg Sass, Director of the Permanent Diaconate and Diaconate Formation. The diocese has been blessed to have six men called to orders by Bishop Peter Muage as permanent deacons for the Diocese of Rapid City. Their ordination is scheduled for 5.30 p.m. Thursday, June 29, 2023, at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City. All are invited to attend the ordination. For more information, visit rapidcitydiocese.org, read the diocese newspaper, West River Catholic, or your parish bulletin.